From Podcast One and the Lady Gang, are you ready for a relatable, unapologetic take on life? This is the Ladies Like Us podcast with Nazanin Mandy and Nadia Mohan. Welcome to Ladies Like Us. I'm Nazanin Mandy. And I'm Nadia Mohan. So before we get to the show really quick, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our great sponsors. We want to thank you guys for all of your support. And to learn more about them, please check out our show notes for this episode. What a week we had. Yeah, it was eventful. What day is it? (laughs) I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I have no idea. But a lot happened. A lot happened. We started out our week really strong. Mm -hmm. We went to Vegas Mm -hmm. and we saw the icon. Miss Janet Jackson. Yes. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. She was nasty. (laughs) She killed it. Like she's 53 years old. Yeah. And danced for an hour and a half. Well, also... Shout out to Aisha. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, so Aisha Francis, she's a choreographer, she's a dancer, she's a creative director, and she did the Janet Jackson show, and she killed it. I could not take my eyes off of the dancing. Yeah. It was spectacular. It was, (laughs) I mean, the production. Mm -hmm. It was so good. The costumes were great. Everything. Everything was so good, and I mean... It's Janet. She's an icon. And so it's like bucket list check. Like I have my little like check of like who I need to see. Yeah, that one was checked for sure. Oh, man. And then (laughs) we got to go backstage and we met Miss Jackson. Yes. And how was that, Nas? It was great. She's an icon. She She killed it. She killed it. I mean, again, that was bucket list. Yeah, for sure. For for, for sure. It was like a fantasy for sure. And And you know what? We made Aaron's birthday. Yeah. It was was Aaron's birthday. Mm -hmm. She loves Janet. Mm-hmm. She needed to go out there and party. And, and we surprised her. She didn't know we were going to meet her. Right. Right up until the actual meet and greet. She yeah. thought we were. <laughs> we lied and told her that we were there to like hook up Darla with some D. Yeah. Yeah. We were backstage <laughs> so Darla can get some dick. And you know what? Aaron was all for it. Yeah. We were all all for yeah. it. We were going to wing woman her. Yeah. And then we're like, actually, we're going to meet Jen Jackson. <laughs> yep. And she was like, what? Yeah, no, but overall, that night was really fun. We ended up at One Oak. Shout out to Ellie for hooking it up. Yeah, it was good. Um, But yeah, One Oak was a lot of fun. If you guys saw my snaps. Man, I mean, we had a table and it was just the four of us. So we had all the space. (laughs) Right. And we we didn't get to One Oak till like two because the meet and greet took a long time. And then by the time we had dinner and changed, it was just like it got to two o'clock. Right. So the place was starting to dwindle. Mm-hmm. So Aaron and I, I was like, I turned around. I was like, when was the last time you danced on the dance floor? <laughs> she was Years. Like, Let's do it. So her and I were like, there was probably like 10 people on it the dance floor. Hilarious. Yeah. We, we, we danced till the lights turned on. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. It we was saw great. the lights come up in one Oak. And then, <laughs> I oh. choked and died. She, she's so excited. She almost choked oh my and God. died. Um, and then we, after we left the club, we just sat outside. Remember by yes. the ballet? We, okay, so we sat outside the Mirage Hotel, and um, we just smoked, smoked, and hung out because we didn't want to call it a night. Yeah. We were having so much fun. But then this man walks <sighs> past us and he walks by. He's got a beard. He he looks pretty manly. He was drinking something too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He walks past us and he puts his arms in the air. I wish you could see me, but <laughs> <laughs> he's waving both arms in the air. Yeah. And his shirt lifts, his polo shirt lifts. 
mm-hmm. and reveals a fuchsia g-string with a diamond in the center yes. <laughs> the diamond was heart-shaped okay and i lost my mind yes. i was screaming i was like yes <laughs> it was hilarious he did it just for us so we could see yeah he really wanted to show off that g-string that, that was so unexpected but then i was like because i always forget all the stories that happen so in my moment of drunken highness i was like i have to voice record this because i'm gonna forget right so this is what i voice record what time was the voice record uh it had to have been like close to four or five this might have been edited. I think I added more to it because okay. it says the 25th at 11.06 a.m. Oh, yeah, no. So that's not accurate. Okay. But this is what it says. While we were in Vegas, Nas and I <laughs> saw a guy walk by. You did you string on, and it was hot pink with a jewel in the middle, and he went to sands up in the air because he really wanted to see it, but only just subtly. He didn't really want to know, but yet he really wanted to snow. <laughs> You guys, that's voice recording. Voice recorded at 4 a.m. in front of the Mirage Hotel. <laughs> Fucked up. <laughs> Obviously. Man. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good time. I'm just going to go ahead and say that was both our highs of the week. Well, no, because you have a better no, high. My I have, bad. I have two two highs of you the do. week. You do. Yeah. Go ahead. And I'm going to be high. So the first was going to Vegas. Going to see Janet, meeting Janet. That was still a high. Right. I'm going to go with that. Um, but my bigger high of the week was I finally released my debut single, hey. Forever Mood. And it's getting such an amazing response. Because it's really fucking good. Thank you. <laughs> but, I, you know, you don't know. Yeah, you just don't know. And people are so judgmental. And it's just one of those things where it was so unexpected. Right. That I didn't know which direction it would go in. Right. Um. But I'm getting so much positive and amazing Good. feedback. And it just motivates me to keep going. So, of like, course. I can't wait to put the second single out. Like, it's Good. ready. I can't wait You're to You're on keep- fire. Yeah. And I'm like, Miguel asked me, he's like, so what about performing? What do you think? And I, I'm considering it more now. Because before you wouldn't have. No. And now and he's like, he's your like, confidence you is should. different. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you should just try it. Like, let's get into class. Like, You let's- need to do what's comfortable to you. You don't need to be the next like Janet or, you but know, I don't as far be. as dancing, you know what yeah. I mean? You don't need to do all that because that's not to. what you're comfortable with. Right. You need to just go out there and do what's comfortable to you. Right. And that's it. That's and you can do it. Do. You've performed your whole life. I know. Ain't no thing. I know. But <laughs> don't overthink it. Yeah, that's my problem. Yeah. So, um, remember, yeah. think, I mean, sorry. <laughs> remember, think, think. do, no, <laughs> do, don't think, do, don't overthink. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's our line. We live but mine is that. do, don't think. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So that um, was my high of the week. That's a big high. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was really good. Um, let's see. Oh, guys, mm. Nadia flew first class. Oh yeah. <laughs> And you know what? We I was getting DMs about this because I was, you know, put, putting them on my stories when we were in first class. And people were like, yes, Nadia's in first class and like clapping for her. But yeah, she flew first class there and back. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Moving up in the world, guys. She's moving on up. I had lots of room. No kids were kicking me. I had go. all the elbow space I wanted. She got alcohol. Free drinks. Mm-hmm. It was... It was nice. She was one of the first off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a bonus. It was great. Yeah. But yeah. So what else happened? 
Did we have any blows? I had a pretty good week, honestly. No, I had a really good week too. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is not like a major blow, but I'm uh-huh. going to say th- something on air. F sticky bras, okay? Oh my God, I forgot about the sticky bras. Yes. <laughs> who invented the sticky bra? You are not allowed to sweat on the sticky bra. And who doesn't sweat? A Everybody man sweats. probably invented the sticky Jesus bra. Jesus Christ. I, I bet you. I, I tried it. I knew it wasn't going to work because I've done it before. Right? And I thought I was trying to be hopeful this time. And I was like... I'm going to be inside. My dress is kind of tight, so it'll hold it in. Right. The minute I, like, had a sweat bead, that shit was off. And it was hanging. (laughs) And I I was like, my bra was hanging. Uh, My spanks were rolling down. (laughs) I couldn't figure out my shoe strap. I had a little meltdown. (laughs) You did, but it was fine. Nobody, I mean... Most of us were not pressed to get to the concert on time. <laughs> but we did get on time. I know. Yeah. We were there before she got on. Exactly. But yeah. I was just stressed. It was one of those things where, like, everything that could go wrong was going yeah, wrong. I know. And, like, my glam people, you already know. Not the guys, because the guys don't really need to get ready. But, like, the girls, when you have your client with you or you or people in your group know you can glam, like, everybody wants you to help them. I and know, I I'm don't sorry. know. No, it's not your fault. It's not about that. I will always say yes. Plus two, we had an exchange. It was agreed upon. I'm just saying in general, it still makes it difficult to like get my hair and makeup done. Plus everybody else. It just always turns into like, I'm rushing. Yes. Regardless. I know. I know. You know, and I hate saying no because I want to help you guys. Right. So, um, you know, when that starts happening, then it it was just like, oh my God, I just want to get to the show. I don't even care what I'm wearing. Like, (laughs) no, I know. F sticky bras. <laughs> I hate bras. I left mine. I know, but you. I have no boobs. Oh! <laughs> mic down. <laughs> she lost. I lost my mic. <laughs> I um, mean, I don't have boobs. It's fine, but like yeah, I, you have hate... boobs. They're just nice and perky, and you're really lucky. Ugh. And I have boobs since I was 13, so now they're down to my knees, and wait, I have wait. to like lift them up. <laughs> we have to talk about the story when I first saw you with boobs. <laughs> I'll never forget this day. It was around Christmas time and we went to your house and I hadn't seen you in a while. Right. And you walked downstairs. I was probably like 13, right? Yes. 12, 13. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And you had a baby pink, mm-hmm. really tight sweater on. It was Angora. Oh, okay. Which I would never wear now, but just saying. Yeah, that's hot. Well, it's, it's also made of rabbits. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, shit. I didn't even think of that. Very soft. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, so I, I saw her walking down the stairs and like her boobs were bouncing (laughs) and I was like, (gasps) (laughs) you're just like lucky. Where did this come from? (laughs) She's like, how did you get those? (laughs) Come on. What's your secret? (laughs) I'm like, bitch, I've been eating. (laughs) And I'm like, look down at myself and like nothing's there. Cause like puberty didn't hit me for years. Like. Years. I didn't have boobs or anything for years. Listen, you're lucky now because the later you get them, they stay nicer longer. The earlier you get them, they start to droop sooner. But let's talk so. about this after kids. True. We don't know. Listen, those things, as soon as a kid comes out, I'm lifting them. I I'm mean, filling yeah. them. They're going to be up under my chin. It's going to be nice. I, under- <laughs> I understand. And yeah. that's where, you know, plastic surgery and all that. It's cool. do your thing (laughs) oh man that's great but yeah um i think that's pretty much it yeah i can't i don't have a blow of the week i'm sorry you guys it was a very beautiful week yeah yeah it was a good week it was 
I can't even, I'm trying to think of a blow for you and I just can't think of it. I mean, yeah, yeah no. Nothing. No. <laughs> I had a good week. It was a good week. Blessed week. I'm grateful. Yes. Well, anyways, um, we have a good show coming up. We do. So coming up next, we will be chatting with philanthropist, youth advocate, and best-selling author, Nicole Russell. Yay. So you know how I'm obsessed with online shopping. <laughs> I have a problem, guys. Yeah, yeah. More than obsessed. <laughs> yeah, like I need to just not go out in public and just shop online because <laughs> that's what I love to do. But I heard about Honey. Uh-huh. And Honey is a free browser extension that saves you money everywhere you shop online. Honey finds coupon codes and other discounts across the web and applies them automatically. Just think, the average Honey user saves about $126 per year. That's a pair of Steve Madden shoes. Ooh, I love that. Over 10 million people are already saving with Honey. Honey has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something really nice. Get Honey for free and join honey.com slash ladies. That's join honey.com slash ladies. All right, guys, welcome back. Now, we are ready to talk to our guest. She is the co-founder and executive director for the Precious Dreams Foundation. She was named Glamour Magazine's Everyday Hero of the Year, Observer's Top 20 Heroes Under 40, and Walmart's Community Playmaker and Receive, excuse me, Receive Walmart's Community Playmaker Award. She is also the best-selling author of Everything a Band-Aid Can't Fix, and she is our personal friend. Welcome to the show, Nicole Russell. Yay! Nicole, thank you for being here all the way from New York. All the way from New York. Is that where you're originally from? Yes. Born and raised, but my accent is, like, ridiculous because my mom has a very strong Puerto Rican, like, Bronx accent my dad has a southern accent right and then most Wait, of my friends are like from la so. where's your dad from the south from south carolina oh okay, okay. yeah wow. so i just kind of got a little bit of everybody <laughs> i love that but when That's i'm upset true. the puerto rican comes out like i start talking really fast, <laughs> fast. and then yes i've never fast. seen you upset yeah it's rare yeah it's like it's what, what what ticks you off um, like what's going to make you Because you have upset. the Aries fire. I do have the Aries fire, but you know what? Like, so I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of Aries. Nadia, you're mm-hmm. an Aries. So we're, we're very passionate, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that like we're extreme with anger. Right. So like I can feel things like deeply and right. sometimes I can internalize them and then I'll process them and I'll go through something, mm-hmm. but I don't react immediately to most things Mm -hmm. that's good Um, that's good i could probably count on like maybe two hands the amount of times i've (laughs) screamed at someone right Right. yeah i don't yeah it doesn't happen it's just i feel like you're gonna end up regretting all that shit anyways Mm -hmm. so it's like let me just like i and besides with me at least i always have a late reaction as far as like i'm always like when i get upset like that i'm usually stunned (laughs) 
like, yeah. I'm like, wait, what? You're like, this is happening. Yeah, right I'm like, now? wait, what? And then I process same thing like you, yep. and then either I get upset or angry or whatever it is, right? You know. But regardless, I feel like we are communicators. Yes, mm-hmm. we yes, communicate yeah. very well, but not always immediately. Right. Sometimes I have to take a step back and I have to really think about my, like how I feel about the situation, mm-hmm. but then also I try to see it from the other person's perspective totally. so that I can see how they received it. And mm-hmm. then I'll come back and talk. Yeah. If I don't talk, then I can't move on. It's yeah. like, and maybe that's an Aries thing, but like I you have, have to, to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm the same way. Have you always been that way? Yes. Okay, that's mm-hmm. great. Yes. My family can't stand it. If there's <laughs> really? like an issue, I'm like, so you want to talk about it? And right. they're like, no, oh, nobody wants to talk about it, but I will force it out of everybody. It, not talking about it does not help the situation at all. When you can talk about it, you get it off the plate, regardless of how uncomfortable mm-hmm. it is, you just got to talk about it, get through it, see what's bothering you, see what's bothering them. And then move on. Yeah. Look, we can't change what we don't acknowledge, right? Right. At the end of the day. Yeah. Right. If we don't bring it to the forefront, how are we supposed to elevate? Yeah. yeah. We can't. No. We just yeah. can't. And the problem tends to get bigger and bigger when you yes. don't address it. It's because they're like these, this undertone of anger mm-hmm. with anything that you do. Exactly. It's like someone could forget to do something that yeah. day and you're like, I'm so mad at them, but it's for such a deeper reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all the it's little things up. keep piling up and you're just so irritated. Right. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, I can't stand you right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, but it's not about the laundry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like much deeper. Yeah. yeah. But that's, exactly. that's beautiful. Yeah. Not a lot of people can do that. No, that communication is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like culturally. Yes. A lot of families, you know, you, you're brought up to not talk about the problems. Oh, right? yeah. Especially when, like, all the problems are in the house. But then we're taught what happens in this house stays in this house. Oh, so it's like, well, damn, how do I get help? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, my dad operates like that. That's a very Persian thing. You you don't talk about your problems it's outside. You don't, yeah, you don't air out your dirty laundry. And I understand that to a degree because you don't need to tell everybody your business. Yeah. But... There, it's the truth. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, sometimes the truth is ugly and sometimes the truth hurts. And if you don't want it to be like that, fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and also by talking about it, you don't know who else could give you a different perspective. Right. right? And right. help with the problem. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really, it's important. And same thing with this podcast. It's like, you know, Naz and I talk all the time about do we go there? Do we talk about that? Right. You know, it, especially with family stuff, because it's like you want to hard. Yeah. You want to protect it and you don't want to put them out there. But at the same time, we are trying to be real with everyone and raw mm-hmm. and whatever we share can help somebody else out there. And they're yeah. relating and that's already happening. We're yeah. already getting messages from people that are like, giving us their life stories right. and issues and they want advice and it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. And, um, just to be able to connect with people and know, like, you're not alone. Like yeah. we're all dealing with very yeah. similar shit. Oh yeah. You know? And yeah. it's the most liberating feeling to be able to express what you're feeling inside. Mm-hmm. Totally. The yeah. mo- like even, you know, having friends and being able to have like long conversations is the most therapeutic thing. Yeah. I think that's why like as girlfriends, we're so close because we lean on one another. We talk right. about our issues and yeah. like guys don't have enough of those conversations. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll kind of like laugh things off. And then if they're dealing with a breakup, they'll tell the guy like, come on, let's 
go yeah. have some fun. And it's yeah. like, no, why don't you sit down with your male friend and, and talk like, about what's it? Really yeah. happening? Mm-hmm. They they just want to go to the club and get new pussy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But then but then this. after a month when that gets old, yeah, shit really hits a fan. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's when they start calling you back. Yeah, because they don't have anyone else to talk to about the deep yep. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, or somebody who cares. It's that free therapy. Yeah, but it's exactly. It's really. Um, Sometimes it's hard to find those girlfriends too that yeah. you can really lean on and and value their advice. Like I have lots of friends, but there's only a certain group of friends that I really go to for advice and to really talk about, you know, those deep issues with because I just really trust their opinion. Yeah. You know. So I mean, you have to be on the same level of the same mentality. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There has yeah. to be um this just the same even like moral code and like you know you have to believe in the same things and level of growth yeah 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 yeah. when the level when the growth doesn't match Mm -hmm. the advice can't either right like they don't know yeah it's okay like you know but you have to take their opinion with a grain of salt right and And sometimes it's it's you shouldn't have those conversations going to going into it with expectations right because every friend is so different so i have friends that i can just talk to and vent Mm -hmm. and i would never take their advice you know (laughs) you just want an ear but you just need an ear you know and then there are those other friends that will push you to be your best self and they will give you the advice that you need so Mm -hmm. it's it's getting an understanding of like who's in your circle and who you need in that moment and i also think it's important to know what kind of friend you are mm-hmm. are you the just the listener you want to be there just as you know some a comfort mm-hmm. or, or do you give advice right you know it's important to know where you fall in people's lives as well I think I know what so. what type of friend you both are but what would you say um I love I mean I love to motivate people yeah. advice yeah, yeah advice definitely advice but I know when people just need to vent mm-hmm. and I'll just fall back and listen yeah like because I think it's really important not everyone wants advice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sometimes they just want to say it. And also, you don't... Sometimes I can't keep giving advice to this, friends that don't take it. Yes. I'm just like, I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> Damn. You're yeah. way... See, you're I'm, way better I'm at saying, that. Yeah. You guys are way better at that than me. Yeah. I, I have a, a very close friend that, you know, it's a lot of, of venting and a lot of things that that person wants to change. Right. They don't know how, but yeah. there's only so much advice I can give. Yeah. Right, because it's on them. It's on them at the yeah. end of the day, and I want the best for them, but they need to ha- want the best for themselves mm-hmm. more than I want for them. Yeah. Exactly. So sometimes you got to just let it be and yeah. hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And find those patient friends like Nas. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's but we all have our breaking points. <laughs> you know, where are you at? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but let's rewind. So you, um, what were you doing before you started Precious Dreams? So before I started Precious Dreams, I was actually a VIP manager for Madison Square Garden. I was like managing all their hospitality spaces and taking care of like our courtside guests for Knicks and Ranger games, um, planning events, doing a lot of freelance stuff like Mm -hmm. Nickelodeon and BET. That's Mm -hmm. so cool. Um, But it's crazy because when I look back, I was in service and I was taking care of people. Mm -hmm. It's just now I take care of people with a very different financial status. Um, But I've always been like thinking ahead of time of what people will need when they enter a space. Right. Um, and I always have been very observant of like how I can elevate their experience. Mm-hmm. So it, it all kind of tied back into what I ultimately 
started doing. And I knew that I was passionate about children and Mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. I just didn't know where to begin. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then my mom fostered a little girl who was four years old. She used to suffer from nightmares seven nights a week. And my mom told me the story and it's, it's difficult to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, to imagine being in those shoes. You know, she was a child that had suffered abuse of all forms and so I thought about you know how difficult that must be at bedtime to Mm. be reminded Mm. of those experiences and like no matter how great her days were at bedtime that's the one time that you are alone even Mm -hmm. if you're in the bed next to someone Mm -hmm. you're alone and you're forced to hear your thoughts and Mm -hmm. they're as loud as they've they've ever been right your thoughts and your fears and everything everything yeah Yeah. and so she was having these nightmares and my mom had to figure out how to comfort her so Mm -hmm. she started introducing her to bedtime comfort items Mm -hmm. and it started with my mother and I like wanting to put together these care packages for bedtime Mm -hmm. so to give kids like books and blankets Mm -hmm. and teddy bears and then the very first visit that we made we went to a homeless shelter and I was like this is not enough I cannot just drop off donations like we need to develop a program Mm -hmm. and figure out how to really reach these kids and show them like talk to them about their fears and what do they do when they're afraid or when they're having bad days and so that started in 2012 and has just developed rapidly that long yeah I didn't know that either wow congratulations thank you which is so crazy because I still remember it was like like it was yesterday when Mm -hmm. I was telling Miguel about the mission and like I was working on the website like I mean when you start a nonprofit, you're doing everything on your own Mm -hmm. so I was like trying to design a website with no graphic designing experience and like (laughs) I thought it was so good (laughs) yeah you have to start somewhere Mm -hmm. whatever you do you have to start somewhere yeah so it started there and then I just fell in love with what I was doing and it's also like once someone makes you aware of a problem it's very hard to just turn the blind eye and act as if it doesn't exist. And so now that I have been made aware of all of these challenges that foster kids and homeless youth face, Mm -hmm. I just feel compelled to do something Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. You know, like I just feel like if not me, then who? I agree. Yeah. You know, and and you know that um, the warmth that you give and these, you know, visiting these children, like that spreads too Mm -hmm. as well. Like I've been there Mm -hmm. and I see like their reaction, Mm -hmm. just these gift bags, they make their day and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like there, we did yoga one time and like, Mm -hmm. they're just excited to interact. They're Mm -hmm. just so excited for new energy and it's, it's really beautiful what you're doing. And they don't have much, No, you know? So it's like, to be there and to give them something, but not only just give them the physical things, but to spend the time with them. And, you know, like I joined you too, Naz and I joined you one time. Um, it was in LA. Which one did we go to? The, yeah, um, we went to the Union Rescue Mission yes. in Skid Row. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, to spend time with the kids and just hang out with them and draw with them. We made pillowcases. We drew on the yeah, pillowcases. Yeah, yeah. We decorated pillowcases. Yeah. And, you know, to, to, inspire their creativity and and listen to what they have to say mm-hmm. and you know some of it was hard to hear yes no. i'm not gonna lie even walk into we were walking down the hall and just seeing like these children sleeping on the floor remember that and... kid that followed us because he wanted yes. to go home with us yeah yeah remember that? in the it's, elevator it's tough he mm. wanted and it's, <laughs> they were like where's so-and-so <laughs> and we were us. like i don't know we looked down and he's with us like trying to blend in <laughs> Oh, so 
I know. They're like, you got to go back, kid. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. It's yeah. also hard to, to imagine that you being there for just an hour, and that might have been the best experience they had yeah. all right. week. You right. know, just yeah. having the time and attention from someone with a positive spirit. Yeah. It's, right. it's rare. I mean, even even when you sit back and remember your childhood, yeah. I can remember people. So I grew up with a sister that was um, in and out of the hospital. She was born sick and she was two years younger than me. And so I grew up practically living in a hospital and having in-home nursing. But um, I remember specifically when I was a kid and we would go, there was this one nurse that I just adored. Her name was Kelly and she always played with me. And she had such a like happy spirit about her. And I, to this day, still remember her. Mm -hmm. She would always like play with me and, and whenever I would be there she'd be like Nadia and like you know made me feel so happy and special and it's mm-hmm. like I still carry that as an adult I remember her yeah and so it, you just never know what impression or impact that you you bring Absolutely. to these kids mm-hmm. it's really all, important. I mean all over too yeah yeah you know you've been everywhere doing this yeah we yeah. Ha- we have four local chapters New York Baltimore South Florida and California we're getting ready to open up a Chicago chapter amazing um, but it's it's been a ride, and I just wish that we could be everywhere because mm-hmm. it's necessary. You know, it we is. have half a million foster youth in the United States, and then we have a lot half of unaccompanied million. minors that are coming in on a daily basis, and they end up in foster care wow. because if they can't find their family or their parents, that's that's where they go. Mm-hmm. They can't so. find their family. Or are they like parents. are they runaways? A or? lot. Well, a lot of the immigrants that are coming in don't oh, speak English, and it. sometimes the parents will write a family member's name and number on their arm like they'll put they'll write it on them in marker but by the time they get here you know with weather conditions and sweating you can't even make out the numbers so they show up at these detention centers or at these foster care agencies and you know the staff are desperately trying to figure out how to get them help they don't know where to go they, they don't, don't know where to go. go some of them are so young that they can't remember what they were told to do when they get here is such a problem and that's so devastating to hear because it's regardless of where you stand on the issue with immigration this is these are still people they're humans and these are children Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and it's like people forget like this is humanity no there's no empathy yeah people are losing empathy yeah it's so sad it's so sad and and you know the Whatever the solution is, whether you're pro-wall, anti-wall, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. These are people. You know what I mean? End of story. Like, we got to help each other. Yeah. Somehow. We got to figure out something that's going to work. Some solution. That shit's crazy, man. Yeah. It's getting worse. Ugh. It breaks my heart. Wow. So, um... So you, you, how do you have a staff or how does, how does the precious dreams work? Yeah. So for many years we were run entirely by volunteers right? and it's insane because we were featured in like Oprah magazine mm-hmm. and getting all of this attention and people thought that we were bigger than we were, right. but it was literally just, you know, like you guys, passionate friends in other cities that mm-hmm. took on the role of like helping us build mm-hmm. in other places. So now, um, I'm the executive director of the organization. One really cool thing about it is our board pays 100% for my salary. Mm. And that's very rare for nonprofits. Right. But, you know, when you're looking for donors, most times people want to hear that 100% of their money is going to a specific place. Mm-hmm. And as a having a grassroots organization, it was very important for us to be transparent about how we spend our money. Right. So um, we're very lucky to have 10 board members that were like, 
let's figure this out. What are the cost? What's the cost to have a program director for an executive director and let's cover it. Mm -hmm. So it's a small staff, but But we have a great board and we have a great junior board. So, but you started that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really cool. The vision that came to life and you're helping so many people. Yeah. We're trying. How was that decision to leave your, your job, your career, which, you know, was lucrative and, and stable and stable. Yeah. Yeah to do this you know how did that decision go did you think like a long time about it or how yeah it it took me probably a couple years Mm -hmm. since I had the thought of Mm -hmm. like you know what this is something that I can and should do full-time right um and then the best advice that I received from other people is like just make sure you're going to be okay financially Mm -hmm. you know don't walk away from this stable situation without being smart make Mm -hmm. sure that you have savings make sure that this is something you can actually do right um and so I just I put a lot of time and energy into preparing Mm. to do this knowing that I actually, I took the biggest pay cut. I make half of my salary that I made at Madison Square Garden, but I made sure that I had enough money saved so that Mm -hmm. I could be okay. And still, you know, I, I enjoy living a certain lifestyle. I, you know, getting massages is part of my like self care routine. (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah. So I had to make sure that I would still be able to do certain things. Because you know what? At the end of the day, if you don't feel good, how are you going to pass that along to somebody? Right. Yeah. You know, you got to be right, too. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. So it was a big sacrifice, mm-hmm. but I'm happier than I've ever been mm-hmm. in my entire life. You could tell. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Thanks. You can't not be happy helping these kids. I mean, like, it's it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And I applaud you for doing that. Absolutely. Because it takes a lot of balls. Yeah. It takes a lot <laughs> yes. of balls to, to do what you did, make that decision. We all want to help we all want to do it but actually taking the initiative to walk away from your career and a whole other level yeah it's a whole other level and it's it's a whole other um it's very heavy emotionally too i'm sure yes yeah you know you're dealing with a lot of emotional issues and you know you're seeing it on the daily so do you ever leave there carrying that with you like do you ever feel exhausted like how is the end of the day for you so i carried it with me for many years Mm -hmm. and Part of my, um, you know, one of the things that I do to self-comfort is write. Mm. And that's how I ended up writing a book because I would come home and there were certain experiences that I never wanted to forget. Mm -hmm. And so like I would write that down. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it was certain things that the guest speakers would would say Mm -hmm. um, that I wanted to share with other kids who didn't have that experience. And I would write those quotes down. Mm -hmm. And I had been writing and writing in this really big journal for for years and then that was when like one day I was just looking at it and I was like what do I do with this like how how do I get this to kids that I'll never meet Mm -hmm. how do I get this in rooms that I'll never be Mm -hmm. and I just realized that I wanted to write a book Mm -hmm. wow yeah so from start to finish how long did it take so it took about four years, wow. but that's mm-hmm. because I didn't intend to make it a book for the first couple of years, yeah. you know? And so even when I started, um, when I started writing the book and I was intentional about what I was doing, mm-hmm. I was literally flipping through pages and I was like, well, this would make sense here. And mm-hmm. I was just like moving things around yeah. so that I could complete chapters, mm-hmm. but it started yeah. as like journaling. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. You just had a stockpile of information there ready yeah. to go. Here it so is. really it's like organizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Putting it into play. That's, That's so cool. I need to do that. I don't know why I don't journal. I I, I, I don't either. I mean, I write my quotes and stuff. You I, should. I forget. I have the worst memory in the world. I, I don't know what. 
Remember when I used to write, we found my journal from when I was a kid. Oh it was my God. It was like, you should bring it on here and read some chapters we because should. it is so funny. Oh, I wish funny. you had it. It's so funny. And we have a book of us, like we would write notes to each other. Did we find that one? I think my mom has it in Damn a box. I, can, I mean, I can get it. We got to find that. I know. I used to write to my friends, but I rarely wrote down. I always had the intention to, of journaling and, and writing a diary. And then my like, I would get distracted and just go to sleep or do, you know, right. and just not do it. But now you do voice notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does drunk voice there notes. You go. There you go. Oh my it's God, okay. It's We've advanced. <laughs> so. Safe to say that your sister was a huge inspiration in you creating this foundation and writing this book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does she? Uh, how old is she now? She's fourteen. Oh wow! Has she read your book? She has. She's actually the first teen uh-huh. that read the book. Oh, that's oh. so it, dope! I made it her summer reading uh-huh. the summer before it came out, okay. and was she, she kind of like the tester? She was the tester. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, she was the tester, and I think at the time she was thirteen, and. My sister learns very differently from most kids right. um, because, uh, you know, things that her mom experienced when she was pregnant with her. And so there were there were words in the book that she didn't know. And like I would listen to her read out loud. She was skipping over certain things. And th- that for me, like made me aware of my target audience. You know, right. like I wrote this mostly for youth that have been through adversity right. or have been in foster care and homeless shelters. And so. I would I would sit with her and like teach her the words that for me are things that I thought teens should know, right. but at her reading level she just didn't. Right. Um, so yeah, she definitely I like I asked for feedback. Yeah. But she's my first teen that read the book. It's cool too with your book because you have a lot of sections where they can fill stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like yeah. these little lines and like I it's interactive. Any... Yes. Right. Sorry, so my, my lunch is in this book. <laughs> I have, like, pieces of lettuce <laughs> stuck to the pages. <laughs> it means I was using it, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah, you have this. It makes me feel good when people tell me I am, and they're able to, like, so in a way, it's their journal. Yes. Right? Yeah, and it's it's them doing the work on themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I thought about, so we all have different learning preferences. Mm-hmm. I don't learn well by just listening to people speak. Right. You know, even in high school, I always had to take notes. When I'm on the mm-hmm. phone with someone, I'm like doodling like little mm-hmm. words, keywords that they're saying so I don't forget the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in reading, if you're not processing, then I'm asking questions at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. so that you can reflect and, re- mm-hmm. and like relate everything that I said back to your own right. experiences. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. And and then you also have like the takeaways at the end too. Like each chapter has their own like remedies and takeaways. Mm-hmm. So it's like the bullets of like, yeah. you know, which is really cool because a lot of books don't do that. So yeah. it's, it's, I think this is really great for teens. It's easy to understand and mm-hmm. follow along with. What yeah. I love though is that it's not only for teens. Right. You know? Absolutely. The beautiful thing is I'm 32 mm-hmm. and I can pick up that book. Right. And still learn so much. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we all need it. I don't think it really matters what age. Yeah. There's know? a lot of parents that use it um, as a tool to communicate it's better amazing. with their children. And so they're, they'll read it together. And then, you know, I have friends that read it or just, you know, I've heard of people reading it to kind of deal with their own childhood trauma, yeah. things that they've never faced. Right. Um or realize that they needed to until they're reading this and, and, you know, understanding how those things still affect them. Yeah. 
So that so you touch base on a lot of things. One of them is um, childhood traumas and and family trauma or what is it? Uh, family generational traumas. You. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes, that we that are continued. Yeah. Um, what's like your advice? What's your takeaway on all of that? How do how do kids overcome that? It's difficult because it really depends on where the trauma stems from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that trauma stems from family issues Mm -hmm. and you have to get an understanding of whether it's time to have a conversation so that you can move past those experiences with your family or sometimes it's about stepping away Mm -hmm. and setting boundaries and Mm -hmm. deciding that this is not healthy for me anymore Mm -hmm. and as much as I want to be here and I want to love you, I can't. Mm -hmm. So It takes so much courage. Because they also know that whatever is being said is either not going to be received well, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be believed or whatever changed or changed. Yeah. Yeah. And we're taught to have a fear of strangers, Mm -hmm. but to trust and love our families. And sometimes your families can damage you more than anyone. And that's what really leaves people damaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is so true. You don't think about it that way Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Even the stuff that we carry with us in our daily lives. Like Mm -hmm. when I think about my flaws Mm -hmm. or things that I've done, Mm -hmm. I I actually call it L cycles, like repeating the L cycle of like things that I know are not good for me, decisions that I make that I like talk myself into like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's okay to eat this or Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to just making excuses. I try to break those things. I try to really be observant of my Mm -hmm. behavior and like what I'm carrying that I'm getting from my parents or from my family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I feel that because I, I, I think once I moved out and left that family bubble, um, you start to like you start to gain your own wings and you start to become this adult in your own way. And you and look at things differently. You look at things different because you're yeah. not in that family circle anymore. You're there, but you're not living there. You're not in it. And mm-hmm. when you're not in it, you start to see things different. Mm-hmm. And, and I did the same thing and I started to realize, God, I don't like this about me. I don't like that. I do this, this and this. And I started to realize these are the things that my parents do mm-hmm. that they're not aware of. And, not to blame them because sometimes they just don't know and they're carrying the cycle too. Yeah. But it's just that awareness. If you're able to really see it, it helps. And and I told my brother the same thing and we, you know, I, I go, wait till you move out. You're going to see things oh, a little differently. His view is going to yeah. be very different. And he already is, you right. know, by he's got a career and he, he has his own life going on. Um, and it's just looking back at those patterns. And, and I've talked to my mom as well and said, you know, now that I don't live here, I notice these things. Mm-hmm. And and she's so receptive to it. And she's like, wow, I didn't know I did this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of annoying or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, it's not everybody's receptive to that, too, which yeah. is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as humans, we don't understand our power. Like, we're able to create our lives. Mm-hmm. We're, we're creating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And every day, if you decide you want to be better, you want to grow, you want to learn mm-hmm. something, um, or you want to work on a flaw, you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's really no excuses at a certain point. Oh, you, no. you can work on yeah. everything. No, yeah. every choice determines your, your path your journey everything we do yeah as something just so little and minuscule to something so huge yeah i also think too what gets tricky with families is that um when you grow up with your family they think we know you more than anybody else. oh mm. yes right they're like your mom your dad everybody's like well we know you more than anybody right but 
is that even really true anymore? Because as you blossom and grow, right, you leave the nest, your your brain starts thinking um, differently. You you start opening your mind up. Nas and I travel. I've seen so many things that my parents have not. Yeah. I've grown so much as a person that it, sometimes it's just, it's not fair that your parents or your family hold you to the standard of how you used to be yeah. mm-hmm. when you've done so much growth. Right. And it's like, yes, I may have been that person and, and maybe I still do these kinds of things and maybe I still am, but can you appreciate and accept my growth that I've done? Right. You know, with you know? that though, I, I'm sure a lot of people, and I know I have, experience guilt. As far as how? As far as when they say, well, we know you or you've changed or mm-hmm. th- some things just aren't the same, but we know who you really are. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, but I am different and I mm-hmm. do things differently. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've experienced certain things. Like sometimes that comes with guilt. But like, what's the, I'm just yeah, curious. I, I get don't know. It. It, yeah, it's, um, you feel bad for outgrowing. Ah, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, you're just like, oh, like yeah. you, you, you feel like you're putting out this "I'm better than you." Yes, and that's thing. not it, though. Right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Penny, Penny's with us. We're at Nas's house, and oh. she's scratching. <laughs> Just to break the tone. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "I feel you, girl." Yeah, she's like a little thumper under the table. Um, no, I feel you on that. Yeah, yeah. there's like a, a guilt. Yeah. That um, sometimes you have to fight. Yeah. You because do. you're like, no, no, no. Like, I I fought to be this. You're just yeah. trying to better yourself. You're just trying to better yourself. Yeah. And just because they don't get it, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, people who okay. truly love you and are secure in their own selves will be okay with you growing. They'll yeah. want to see you thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as friends, everybody comes into your life at a time for a purpose but Mm -hmm. not everyone is supposed to be with you forever forever absolutely not Mm -hmm. you know and ooh, there's a lot going on (laughs) the ice machine (laughs) you guys it's going down the earthquake (laughs) right but you know the the blessings for me are those friends who have known me through multiple careers mm-hmm. through just everything you know because we're not perfect people we've made so many mistakes right. and like to time. have people that are growing with mm-hmm. you and loving you mm-hmm. through all of that and then encouraging you to be better yeah. those are the ones that you need to surround yourselves with yes. don't let anybody trap you into their idea of how you should be especially if that's not your best self right yeah. exactly that you nailed it right there it's boom it's unfair to hold them accountable for that now also actions speak louder than words there's Always. people that say i'm growing i'm changing i you know don't hold don't hold me with what you think i am or you know but the proof is in the pudding and yeah. if you're still doing the same behaviors you haven't changed you haven't grown right just because you think and you've read all these things and and you post the quotes and you know that doesn't mean shit unless you're actually doing the work and you're actually changing a thousand you know yeah. and mm-hmm. and uh, that's just how I'm show me, you yeah. know, show me and then I'll believe you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just how At I am. The end of the day. Yeah. yeah. But also like one thing that I, I try to really work on is not reminding people of their mistakes. Right. You know, right. like that's a beautiful everyone thing. knows mm-hmm. what they have done. Agreed. And like, Say cheating, for instance. Mm-hmm. If someone has steps to me and says, listen, I made a mistake. This happened. I mean, most times they don't. You end up finding out somehow. Right. But, you know, you, <laughs> In a perfect you world. find out you have that conversation and then you decide 
if I am going to stick with you mm-hmm. and like try to make this work, mm-hmm. I can't bring it up every day because no. no, bringing it up every day is just bringing me back to mm-hmm. that trauma and it's making me upset. And yeah. then we're fighting and we're not moving forward. No. But like you said, if the actions have not changed, mm-hmm. then maybe I need to step away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that happened with me and my ex too. Oh man. <laughs> Remember that two years in? Oh, that's right. I, had, I forgot about yeah, that. Some yeah. incident happened. Yes. I got drunk. I went somewhere. Um, I ended up kissing an ex or like some guy that I ran into. And I felt really... Or some th- random guy that you <laughs> ran into. Just some guy club. No, it was an ex. <laughs> and I messaged him because he kept trying to, to message me. And I told him, I was like, listen, what happened can never happen again. That was a mistake. Like I was drunk. Like, you know... I fucked up um, and I, I, I like said some stuff or whatever in there and, and I was like, but that can never happen again. And I love my boyfriend. He found that message. It was like through Facebook and man, he held on to that years. for years, years, years. And I didn't even sleep with the guy. It was one kiss. kiss. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so unfair. Yeah. You it know, is. it's just, it's, you got to let it go. Either you, you, decide to move forward and you let it go um or it's not for you anymore and you can't forgive that person it is what it is yeah you know you can't hold people accountable for that forever it's it's not fair yeah or get help you know get get therapy if it's if it's a parent or if it's someone that you want around um but you're having a really difficult time getting past it see if that person's open to getting help with you right Mm -hmm. um another thing that you talked about in your book and i can't find it in here but i remember it was um you were talking about punishments Right. Mm-hmm. And you were saying something like they're important because it gives you time to think about what you did. Right. But what I w- what I was thinking about when I when I was reading the book and I was thinking about my childhood and punishments and all that stuff was that my parents, I would get punished for whatever I did. I got punished a lot, which, mind you, I was a really I'm not even bragging. I was a great no, I was you, a good kid. She okay. was harmless. No, they I was the first. They, every little thing they grounded me for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I remember that I got grounded or punished, but there wasn't really like a lot of conversation after As that. As to why? As to not just only why, but why did you do this? What can you do to not do this again? Just that whole conversation. Or the, you know why I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. None and- of that. It was just like, you're grounded. You know what you did. Bye. Right. But there's no like, thought process there's no solution Mm -hmm. there's no why do you keep doing this there's no none of that which I think is really important and I never thought about it till I read this and it clicked for me and I was like hmm that's something good to think about in the future when you have kids yeah Yeah, Yeah. like there each punishment should come with the lesson in a conversation right you know that's important because punishment is really just a personal learning experience like you know when you're sent to your room or you can't be entertained by television, your phone, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're forced to just hear your thoughts and mm-hmm. think about whatever you want, whether that's, you know, what did I do to get myself in this situation? Or whether it's like, I hate my parents. I can't believe they did this to me. I can't right. go to the party. Um, it's it's you trying to figure it out and process it yourself. And yeah, more parents need to be aware of that, that that's just the first of two to three steps that they should be taking mm-hmm. if they want their child to learn from the experience. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so important. and. Yeah, I love that you that that's in there because that was a aha light bulb moment. For I me. love that. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, whoa, I'm going to do that. Uh, no, I love that. <laughs> but speaking um, of like being alone with your thoughts, 
How would you recommend breaking a negative thought mm -hmm. pattern? Because we all have them. Yeah. You know, it comes randomly as well. You yeah. Know, you could be having a great time and like there's a negative thought that just pops in your head. Like, how do you combat those? How do you fight them? So the how I feel about negative thoughts, I you know, as we spend a lot of time figuring out how to treat other people. Mm hmm. And we're taught by, you know, our teachers and our parents, our family members, how to treat others. Mm -hmm. And we don't have enough conversations about how to treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I will take a step back and stop myself, mm -hmm. you know, call myself out on something. Why are you saying this? Right. Is this really true? Yeah. And I probably, without without um, saying it out loud, speak to myself more than anyone, mm -hmm. you know, because my thoughts are so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I, I know that I need to be my biggest cheerleader. You have to. You have to. You have to be your own motivation. You have to. Yeah. So I just, I won't allow it. Like I will literally check myself the same way I would check someone else because I know my worth and mm -hmm. I won't allow someone to talk down to me. Mm -hmm. I cannot talk down to myself. Mm -hmm. And I also have seen the effects of following through on a dream mm -hmm. and actually taking risk and how beautiful that can be when you get to the other side. Mm -hmm. So I can't talk myself out of things. I cannot allow fear to take over my life because I've seen, and I think we all have, you know, you can go back to the town that you grew up in mm -hmm. and you will see what fear looks like. Mm -hmm. The people oh, who never left, right. who never like followed their dreams. Took a chance. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, when you see the difference between yeah. what's on the other side of fear, mm -hmm. like at that point, you just have to keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hard part is, is like, some people are just so unaware of themselves that self-awareness is not there to the point where they don't even know how negative their thoughts are and how constant their negative thoughts are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know we know people personally like yeah. that where it's their inner dialogue. We don't even know their inner dialogue and we know that it's negative. And, and it's just like word vomit. You know, mm -hmm. it just, they're just talking and yeah. they could be talking about something positive, but it'll always end up something negative Yeah, yeah. And that they like, bring upon themselves. How do they break that when they don't even know that they are negative or that they're being negative? It's yeah. like, what do you do? Yeah. Well, well, one thing for sure, like if you're experiencing someone and you feel that that's what they do or they're mm -hmm. saying negative things, call it out. I think, I think what how I've learned so much about myself mm -hmm. is from how other people have experienced me mm -hmm. and things that I've said that maybe I didn't mean, but they've mm -hmm. called me out on it. Um, because that you get so comfortable with yourself that you don't always realize what you're saying or doing and mm -hmm. that it's not the best decision. That's you being a smart, educated, receptive person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you not know everybody's what? Everybody's always receptive to that. They're not, but you know what? They process it. You yeah. know, like I, I have issues with my dad and I'm okay with it because I know that he's processing things mm -hmm. on, in his own way yeah. and he's ultimately going to be a better person mm -hmm. because he was forced to have mm -hmm. these conversations, Yeah, you know, and like, it's okay that he's not ready to right now, but I know that every day he's thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the first step of making somebody aware that there's a problem and that they need to work on themselves. Right. Yeah. And I think probably finding the right approach for each person in saying that, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, doing it respectfully yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Cause not everybody, you know, some people can handle the, 
you're being tough, really negative right now. Love. Yeah. 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 And some people just, when they hear that they shut down or they lash out and get defensive. No, I'm not. What are you talking about? You know? So it's, or they, the blame game. Right. Yeah. Well, right. you brought that out of me. Right. Or, or you caused me to do this. And, yeah. You know? So it, yeah, it is very important. Tact right. in talking to somebody can make a huge difference. Yeah. And sure. one of the best um, forms of advice that I would give with that is just write a letter mm-hmm. because, you know, like in communicating is difficult because we usually have expectations of how the other person is supposed to receive us, mm-hmm. what they, what we want them to feel and what we want them to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't control that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you just simply need to get something off your chest, write a letter mm-hmm. and they might not write back. They might yeah. not call. You might not ever speak to them again, but at least you can say like, I got it all off my chest. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That resonates with me, too, because when I was younger, um, I would get lost in the conversation. I would know how I felt and know what I wanted to say. And then when the time would come for the conversation. So, yeah, that that really resonates with me because I know like when I was younger and I wanted to have that conversation, whether it was with a boyfriend or whatever, um, I would know what I wanted to say. I would know how I felt about everything. And then somewhere along the line, the conversation, either they would take over and and make me confused or I would lose track of my point or whatever it was. And so that writing is just, let me say everything I need to say without you interjecting, without you throwing me off Mm -hmm. and you get your point across, you know? And like you said, maybe they won't respond, maybe they will, but the point is you're being heard and yeah. you're getting everything out that you need to get out, mm-hmm. you know? So that, I love that. That's really That's helpful. so free. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, whatever it is, is being lifted off of your mm-hmm. chest, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. I want to try that. Yeah. Yeah. You too, though. You send texts. I do. I you're send, a texter. I'm a texter. Yeah. You're an essay texter. You send like the paragraphs. Not like an essay. I'll get to my point. Okay. It's more like when something's bothering her. She won't say it in person. She'll wait and then she'll be like, listen, I need to get this off my chest. And then she'll like write her thing and, and then yeah. we move on. Yeah. No, I, it, for me, it's like a time and a place thing. Yeah. I've had to learn that the hard way a few times. Um, like even if Miguel and I are going through something, like I, I will keep it for behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things or I'll send him a text. Like yeah. I'm just, that's how I like respond. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if we're, let's say like a, out in public with people Mm -hmm. and even if he did do something wrong like i'm not gonna like shame him in front of everybody Mm -hmm. it's it's a personal thing and i i take it you know behind closed doors we'll deal with this later exactly (laughs) in a respectful way yeah yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely so that's just like how i deal with it Mm -hmm. um but going back to your book i actually have a quote in your book which Mm -hmm. i thank you for putting in your book i'm honored you and miguel which is cool yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. it was important for me to share because i have a lot of friends in my circle that are very successful or you know seem to have it all together Mm -hmm. and you know especially we bring in guest speakers i want the teenagers to see that we're still like facing challenges on a daily basis Mm -hmm. we still have bad days and we also have had relatable experiences Mm -hmm. so i just kind of reached out to everybody and was like you know let's talk about what your teen years look like what are what are some things that you can Mm -hmm. share like things that you have learned along the way Mm Yeah, no, mine, um, I shared my experience with body dysmorphia, which I still deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's manageable now. I can actually say that with confidence. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, though. Yeah. I don't think that ever goes away. No. That's 
it's not something that you just overcome. Okay, I'm cured. Like, no, no, no. You live mm-hmm. with that. Like, after. I'll give you an example. Like, tomorrow we're going to San Francisco. I haven't worked out in two days, and I'm like, I don't feel like my best self. Mm-hmm. I'm being, like, really honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I'm like, fuck, now I got to wear a big T-shirt tomorrow because I feel weird. No, I swear. Girl. I know I, I believe you, yeah, but I'm rolling my eyes because I'm know. like, girl. Right. <laughs> it's I, just one of those things where you're like, but I haven't done what I need to do to, to be like this right. in a few days, so I don't feel like myself. Yeah, right. and it's funny because I actually, I'm one of those people, I know the, my weaknesses and the things I need to work on, and mm-hmm. like finding the motivation to work out just is not one of my things. It's hard. So I will watch Nas's Insta stories, <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> mentally, I'm like, great, that was my workout for the day. Moving on. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like, you saw it, and so you're you're like, like, yeah, I got you it in. <laughs> Well, you're lucky you have a naturally great body. I mean, Nicole, that's Like, crazy. what the hell? Yeah, wow. You are blessed. Thank you. That's crazy. Uh, well, read okay. us your quote. Let's, re- okay, let's hear it. Okay, so my quote, it's in chapter four, and the name of the chapter is Bullies and People That Sting. So my quote is, body dysmorphia started for me when I was 11. Every day I'm getting better and better at ignoring my false views of my body because truth is, for the longest time, I did not see what other people saw. I was self-shaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is a thousand percent true. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, it's something I still go through. Mm-hmm. Still the, the self-shaming yeah. when it comes to my body. I don't really shame myself with other things. Yeah. It's, it's more of a physical um, thing. Do you know what that stems from? Yes. Uh, yeah thousand percent Mm -hmm. it stems from um somebody very close to me in my life telling me that I was gaining weight when I was 11 Mm -hmm. and it was something that was brought up a few times Mm -hmm. and I was very very thin yeah Mm -hmm. like looking back I'm like what yeah like very 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 skinny so speaking of generational trauma do you Mm -hmm. think that is something that was pushed on you because that person had also experienced something similar i'm I'm sure i don't know for a fact but i'm sure certain she this person had certain expectations put on her Mm -hmm. by her own mother Mm -hmm. um and i i can see it because i know these two people and i'm sure it was passed down yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's hard shit yeah and and in reality um so many women, all of us do this to ourselves, that inner dialogue, you know, like I'm never happy with my body. I'm never happy. You know, that's why I hate taking pictures. I hate it because I'm never happy with how I look. We make her mm-hmm. take pictures. Now. Yeah, they do. Every time you see a post, I was kicking and screaming, but I did it. But mm-hmm. she did it, you know, yeah. but it doesn't come natural to me. I'm not comfortable doing it mm-hmm. because it's just I'm not fully comfortable with my body therefore I feel like only this pose works for me and then right. you know what I mean and so it's that touches a lot of people you know yeah. we, we all deal women especially but even men deal with it they too do. yeah it's not just you know yeah I know my ex had body dysmorphia for sure yes he did he really did and it's and- interesting to see it from a man because we put so much emphasis on women dealing right. with their bodies but men yeah they yeah. deal with it but too. even with him looking at him I'm like what yeah yeah it's crazy. Yeah. It's all mental. Yeah. It's all mental. But we just need to be more aware of how we speak to others mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone is very sensitive about certain things that might be triggers. Yeah. Right. And especially when it comes to like our physical appearance. Right. You don't know what one simple comment can do or how it can hurt someone. Completely. So, yeah. and, Absolutely. And, and that's one of those things that I think is really unfair to even go for. 
we can't control our physical bodies. I mean, mm-hmm. to an extent we can, but this is how we were born. And I think it's such a low blow to really go after people in that way. Yeah. You know, I, I I had a friend or not even, it was Nas's friend. She made some comment about my nose saying, oh, your big old nose. And I was like, bitch, look at your nose. Like, I didn't say that to her, but I was thinking it. And I'm no. like, that's so rude. Oh, it is mm-hmm. a low blow. It is. You know, we're all born physically different. We all look different. And yeah. that's the beauty of this world. And even being online and seeing other people call other people ugly. And it's yeah. just like, who yeah. are you to say they're that? Shaming, they're body they're bullying. And, yeah. you know, the reason why people bully is because they're dealing with their own pain. 100%. And insecurities. Absolutely. And yeah. they're trying to push that onto others. Yeah. yeah. That's always we, where it stands. It needs to be stopped. And yeah. it won't. But it, it really should. Mm-hmm. Well, the first step is definitely, like she said, being aware mm-hmm. and and realizing, you know, if you are a bully, why are you a bully? If you're able to even be aware of that and, and dig within yourself and see, okay, I call people out on these things and it's really a self-reflection of myself because I don't like these things about myself. Yeah. And the more we work on ourselves the more we can treat each other with kindness and tolerance yeah. and love, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what we need. Yeah. So absolutely more compassion. Exactly. And that's why we love your book. Thank and you. And everybody go out and get it. Yes. It's called everything a Band-Aid can't fix. Mm-hmm. And where can yes. we get it? Nicole? Um, you can get it online, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble. Perfect. Yeah. You don't have an audio book on it. Do you? I don't. So the reason why I didn't do an audio book is because it's so interactive. Mm. Um, and there are pictures, there's lots of quotes and you know you'll notice that the quotes are on black pages Mm -hmm. and I kind of styled it in a way where people could take pictures because I know that's like a big thing now you want to Instagram you want a moment you first of all you want people to know you're reading a book in the first place so like (laughs) I'm reading a book let me take a picture of something and (laughs) post it yeah um so so it's a very physical experience the book and even on the cover the um the band-aid is raised so that I wanted it to feel yeah I wanted it to feel like a comfort tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the, t- like, I was like feeling the book. I'm like, ah, this book yeah, feels, feels nice. <laughs> like the it's texture. Yeah. 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 yeah it's it. awesome. So will there be a follow-up book? There will. Yes. Yeah. There's, um, there's a second book in the making. Amazing. It's also for teens. And that one's about communication. Oh, amazing. I need Super to read that. important. Very, yeah. very, very mm-hmm. important. I love that. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. This was amazing and informative, and we all needed to hear this advice. Thank you. We are not done, guys. No, we're not. All right, so coming up next, we have the Ladies Like You segment. Stay tuned. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date. Yep, that luxury package you got after a big promotion. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. Ooh, snatched body. (laughs) While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth and when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then you answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you finish, get a true car cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. (laughs) 
All right, guys, welcome back and welcome back to Ladies Like You segment. So we are going to read off our viewer, viewer, listener questions. Um, the first question comes from at C. Marroquin. It's so hard to read these. I know. I sorry, know. guys. <laughs> I'm like reading them right. We have butchered so many. I years. know. My bad. Um, they ask, why is it when you talk about generational trauma with your family, they get offended? Mm. That happens often. Because they don't want to hear it. I was just going to say <laughs> denial. Yeah, yeah, denial. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That's really the number one reason. Yeah. Well, it also probably makes them feel like they're at fault right you yeah. know especially it's, parents absolutely because the it's guilt. the hardest job in the world mm-hmm. you know and it's very difficult for parents to process the fact that they might have let you down right yeah. right they didn't do something right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah. i mean i weren't not parents but i can imagine how difficult it is you know we're not always going to get it right no we're no. just not and your parents like you say in the book too our parents are human <sighs> They're going to make mistakes. They're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Right. We're all just trying to deal. And, and you know, again, like you said, we're not parents. We don't even know what it's like to raise kids yet. What kind of... And yeah. not to mention the challenges that we're going to face when we are parents oh. with the way society is now. It, yeah. It's, it's a whole other level. It's a whole other level with yeah. different layers of things that we have to deal with. So um, I think you really have to be patient in your approach to and know that like when you first say it it might not be received well Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean it ends there you can probably go back to it you could try to go back to it um some parents won't be as receptive and you're gonna have to accept that Mm -hmm. and sometimes they will and maybe it's gonna take them a little time to to really process what happened yeah And, and they had no idea that they were doing that to you or whatever it was. Yeah. It's hard to hear sometimes. And so you have to give them the grace to like hear it, process it, accept it, reply, you know, yeah. in an action. And yeah. I think they choose to, if they choose to. Yeah. And I think that um, some of the best healing is done independently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, deal with those issues first on your own mm-hmm. so that when it is time to have those conversations with people, you can understand why they're reacting the way that they have right, because absolutely. they haven't received the help yet. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that happens a lot now. I think too, with our generation, we are so obsessed with self-help and, and being better people where our parents, it wasn't a big thing. No. And going to therapy wasn't a thing. Like all of that wasn't a thing. So, they don't even have the tools like the way that we have learned. Yeah. You know, so we also have to remember that too. Right. That they just, that they were doing their best and didn't know any better. Yeah. And That's sometimes true. they feel like bringing up old issues is making it a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. like that happened. Let's leave that in the past and move on. Right. 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 So they just suppress their feelings and that's right. what they, that's what they were taught. Right. Exactly. You know, I often think, you know, when our parents were 32, 33, mm-hmm. our age, they mm-hmm. had us. Oh, my God. So imagine, they had all of us. All of us. <laughs> so imagine what we go through. Yeah. Imagine what they were going yeah. through. And we had no idea. No. We had no idea what they were going no. through. Imagine. It's real, no. With all those kids, no. Yeah. They just didn't have, yeah, they didn't have, they weren't self-exploring the way that we yeah. did. And they, were ha- they had four kids on mm-hmm. top of it, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with. Being in a marriage, raising kids, running a household. It's a yeah, lot, it's a you lot. know? So you got to sometimes grant them grace, but still, it's it's not always excused, right. you know? Absolutely. Um, okay, next one is from at Emily.Breerly. <laughs> Again, sorry, guys. 
How do you get over big trauma if you feel like you don't want to because it's always defined you? Oof. That's deep shit. Where trauma is your comfort. That's crazy. Because that's all you know. Yeah. Comfort in the chaos is one of the worst things that you mm -hmm. can experience. I mean, I look at my sister and a lot of the youth that I work with, mm -hmm. and they start to process um, unhealthy situations as normal mm. because I know that this person loves me, mm -hmm. although they hurt me sometimes, mm -hmm. they still love me. Right. And because they find comfort there, they start to look for those patterns in other people. Makes sense. Without prioritizing their own feelings right. and their own needs. Right. You know, like I think the ability to take pain mm -hmm. is what makes us strong, mm -hmm. but we should not expect pain from others mm -hmm. ever and we should not just allow people to hurt us because we're strong mm -hmm. yeah. you know you look at like victims of domestic violence mm -hmm. and they're like well he loves me he needs me mm -hmm. but you need to love yourself more yeah. you know yeah. think about what the out how the outcomes could be different in right. these situations right. and and then what happens that's mm -hmm. so true yeah and i mean this pertains to every kind of relationship mm -hmm. for sure I mean, when it is your norm and that's what you know, it's easy to accept that because that's all you know. Yeah. So I understand that thought process. It's not uh, mind blowing, really. It's like, okay, yeah, duh. You yeah. know, like, and it reminds me of, um, I just watched the season finale of Big Little Lies mm -hmm. and that's Nicole Kidman's character. That Yes, it is. That's yeah. what she goes through. That is her life. That is normal to her. Mm -hmm. And he, her husband, they have this tumultuous relationship yet on the off other side they have this loving relationship where yeah. he's this great dad and they have all these loving moments that they show and they often show her reflecting on that and remembering mm -hmm. only the good mm -hmm. so much that she pushes down the bad and then they ask her in court like how could you have stayed with this man he abused you he did all these things to you and it's just it's not that um shocking honestly like it's it not... makes sense and it's okay but not it's not okay to stay in that but it's okay and give yourself forgiveness for feeling that way right. but you have to learn to love yourself first and put yourself first and break out of that yeah mm -hmm. and, and give yourself the opportunity to have better i mean mm -hmm. we can all remember like that first relationship that we had that changed mm -hmm. us where we were like i've never been loved like this before right. or those friends that are like you know what you have my back no matter what i can tell you anything mm -hmm. and then it makes you reflect on the friends that have hurt you mm -hmm. right. so you you really won't know until you try but right. i mean i can say and i know you ladies can say as well that there are good people out there Definitely. and healthy love is the best love you'll ever I experience oh my god it's like a high it is it's such a high it is and it's just your mind is so at ease yeah yeah it's it's a great feeling and if you know listen no one should ever put their hands on you period like if that's no. happening to you that's not love i'm sorry yeah. it's no. not no matter what that person says to you no matter how they are on the other end of it it, first of all, they're probably hurting you because they were hurt. It's mm -hmm. usually generation or um, the pattern. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you can't, you can't allow that to happen. They need help. Yeah. And you can't fix them. Nope. They need to do it on their own. And no matter how hard you love that person and show them it, it's not enough because it's not about you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're going to continue doing that until they seek the help that they need mm -hmm. and that's end of story yeah you know what i mean like that should be the end all to that absolutely yeah but 
Okay, question number three. Uh, they want to remain anonymous. How do we work through triggers and not go into uh, not go into sabotage mode? Mm. Hmm. Um, so triggers, it's a, it's definitely something that I had to become aware of and mm -hmm. then start communicating to the people around me so that they know not to trigger me. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the way that you react to your triggers is usually very negative. Yeah. Um, and other people don't know. You cannot blame people for triggering right. you if they did not have an understanding of your experiences mm -hmm. and the reasons why you are that way. So I let people know like in the beginning stages of even just dating mm -hmm. i tell people what your triggers what, are i tell them yes oh, because because i need them to know <laughs> yeah i need them to know and even with friends you know yeah. i i need you to know how to treat me right based off of what i've learned mm -hmm. right my needs are right 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 and that's what saves me, you know, yeah. because otherwise I would be putting myself in these situations where I'm constantly being triggered by people who don't know how I want them to experience right. and treat me. Now, how does someone go about recognizing their triggers? Well, so when you look at negative reactions, so we started talking about like yelling and anger. Mm -hmm. What takes you there? Mm hmm. You know, it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. What takes you there? What makes you sad? Mm -hmm. Like all of those negative feelings, mm -hmm. you have to reflect on what is being done mm -hmm. that is making you feel that way. And mm -hmm. is it really just the experience that you're having in the current moment? Right. Or is it something that you've gone through that has intensified mm -hmm. that new experience? Mm -hmm. And if so, have you dealt with that thing in the past? Mm -hmm. And then what are you going to do moving forward? Because people don't deserve to deal with those experiences that came before them right you know like right. you can't push that on someone else because no. you know if you've been cheated on your entire life and then you're very insecure you don't you have trust issues mm -hmm. um trust issues is a big one like you will not trust people because of your past experiences but there are a lot of very honest loyal people who are deserving of your trust right and so you need to just do the work on yourself mm -hmm. because people deserve a fair shot, mm -hmm. you know, I they agree. deserve a fair shot and they also deserve to know what your triggers are. So they have an understanding that it's not just them mm -hmm. when you react negatively. This is an all around thing. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, to expand on your point with the trust, if you, if you've trusted all these people also take a look at yourself and who are you trusting and why are you trusting them? And are you trusting these people immediately? There's so many red flags out there and uh -huh. not everybody should be trusted. Red flags. Exactly. So when you meet somebody like, and I come from a very trusting, like I like to give people the benefit of the doubt usually always in the beginning. I'm not usually that skeptical person, but I've started to become that way in a, and only in a way to protect myself in saying that like, let me just pay attention to how you are and your patterns and all these things. And let me see if I can trust you. Mm -hmm. Observing. Yeah. Observing. Yeah. Observing. You know what I mean? How they move and their intentions. Be and, smart. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, pay attention absolutely. and know, is this somebody I can trust so that you're better prepared, you know, and then you know whether to trust them or not. Yeah. Start there yeah. with that. Yeah. So that ends that. That was that was great. That was yeah. a lot of good yeah. advice. I love that. I hope everybody um, took something from that. And if you didn't, again, go get that book yes. because it's not just for teenagers. Nope. There's a lot of good information in there. And I think you killed it. 
very Thank proud you. of you. I can't wait for the second one. Yes. Thank you. And call, I'm proud to call you our friend yes. also. Yes. yes. You're an amazing person, Nicole, and I wish you nothing but Aww. success because you're Always. spreading love to all these kids, and that's what they need. We have to. Yeah. It takes a village. It's beautiful. It Thank you. Thank you, babe. Thank you, guys. <laughs> and before we go, guys, we just want to take a minute to thank all of our amazing sponsors. If you want to learn more about them, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. And remember, guys, you, you can, can always sit with us. Thanks for listening to Ladies Like Us from the Lady Gang and Podcast One. Be sure to download new episodes every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts or on the Podcast One app. And remember, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.